Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. It says the craftsman uh, strengthens the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the hammer, him who strikes the anvil, saying to the soldering, it is good. And with strength they they strengthen it with nails so it cannot be moved. I mean, I just was picturing sort of the futility of this passage. So you've got a goldsmith, a craftsman, and a blacksmith, and they made X, whatever you want to call X. It is that they lay down and worship. Now, that thing's something that they made, correct? It has no power, has no ability to help them, has no ability to protect them, has no ability to bring them peace or comfort. It's X, something that they made. And then they go on to, to, to this point of fear that something's going to smash that or crush that or take it away. So what do they do? They come along with a nail and they pound a nail into it. I mean, I've built a few projects in my day, but I can't imagine that anything that anybody could ever build and try to strengthen it with nails is going to hold through the fiercest storm and the fiercest trial, let alone God, the all-powerful God, um, coming forth. So we have this group of people, and why were they afraid? They were afraid because they didn't know the true living God. They had built X, and they thought that X could save them. They thought that X could bring them peace. They thought that X could bring them comfort. But when the trials came, when the fire came, and they come to X, guess what? No peace, no comfort, no strength. So they're, they're really living out of a place of fear because they don't want something to happen to this. So they're doing everything they can to try to protect it. And really, apart from God, doesn't that picture each and every one of us? We've placed our comfort in something else, X. And we've tried to find security and peace in whatever X is. And then when something comes along and shakes that, what do we do? We try to build it up. We try to fortify it. Or we go from X to saying, oh, well, X isn't powerful. We'll go to Y. And we try to find something new to bring comfort and peace. We're concerned about and we don't have the peace that only God gives. There will be a judgment day. And it is coming. And apart from Christ, there is that place of fear. There is that place of what's going to happen to me in our day-to-day lives. How do I handle situation A, B, or C? I mean, it doesn't take long to be in our workplace, to be interacting with people. And we see there is all kinds of different things that people run to to try to find peace, to try to find comfort, to try to find help in a time of need. But in reality, all those things are like this X that these craftsmen have built. And in the end, all these things... They're not going to bring peace. They're not going to bring comfort. They're not going to bring security that that we long for. So then we transition into verse 8. 
But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So where is it that that Israel and, and really we who are believers in Christ are to find our strength, to find our peace, to find our comfort? It's in him. It's right here. It's fear not, for I am with you. It's not fear not because I, Matt, have arrived. I read my Bible five times this week. I prayed 15 times. I've got it all figured out. No. No, I I can take all the principles in this word and apart from God, if I try to apply them, I'm still never going to find peace. I'm still never going to find comfort. Does that mean they're not true? No, they're true. But the giver of these is the one that gives peace. The giver of the word is the one that brings forth the power, that brings forth the transformation in our lives, and that empowers us to do what his word says. So you shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find you. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I make you a threshing sledge, new, sharp, and having teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and crush them, and you shall make the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the tempest shall scatter them. And you shall rejoice in the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. You shall glory. So, once again, who is it we glory in? Where is it that we got our strength, that we were made a new threshing sledge? It's from God. God's the one that we glory in. When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land the springs of water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain, and the pine together, that they may see and know and may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. So what is this? It's a testimony. It's a, it's a monument of God's goodness, His faithfulness, His provision in our lives. So in this portion of this chapter alone, fear not is mentioned three times. I looked this up because uh, I've heard it said before that fear not is mentioned in the Bible 365 times. Now, several people I looked up, they said, nope, that's not true. And then other people, I think, still hold to that. And I came to the point, I said, why does it matter? Even if it's said once, it's truth. And I can apply it 365 days a year. It doesn't matter whether it's found in God's word 365 times or not. It's still truth. And I'm called to apply that 365 days a year, every moment of my life. 
So what is fear? I would say that this chapter appears to indicate that, it's a pre- that a presence of fear is a symptom of a lack of faith. So why were they in fear? Because they weren't trusting in God. They weren't believing and understanding who God was. And they weren't understanding who they were in Him. This is Israel, the people that God chose. I mean, think about all the things that He had done for them. Where He had taken them from, where He was taking them to. It's easy sometimes for us to get our eyes off off the ball. But my prayer is, is that we will continually know more of who God is, know more of His love for us, and that as we do, our faith just continues to grow. And as our faith grows, we don't walk about in fear. We don't walk about saying, oh no, what's going to happen tomorrow? But we walk about in confidence, knowing that we have an all-loving, supreme, eternal, all-powerful God who loves us. And he loves us so much that we celebrated last week. He sent his son to die on the cross. What more could he have done? I mean, we deserve none of that. But yet, he sent his one and only son to die on the cross that we might have forgiveness of our sins. That we might be restored to right relationship with him. That it might be possible for us to live free from fear and free from worry. So, Why are we so ready and willing to accept fear and worry as an acceptable way of life, as a Christian? I mean, I guess I would say there's a lot of people I know who profess to believe and say that they're Christians, yet their lives are characterized by fear and worry. And and I'll confess, I mean, this passage, God's been working with me over the past few months about fear, year, I guess. And, and really, what, what is it I fear? And what is it I'm understanding? What is it I'm believing? Well, I would say I came up with four different things of why we accept fear and worry. I'm sure there's more. One is, I think it's just accepted by our culture. I mean, let's face it. Our culture doesn't know where to find freedom from fear and worry. So unfortunately, instead of looking to God and to His Word, we look to the outside world And we tend to just take what they view as being acceptable or being okay. And what do we do with it? We just kind of polish it a little bit. We take the rough edges, make it a little smooth, take some of the dirt and scrub it off. And we say, okay, here it is. Instead of saying, no, God's word is very clear about this. And I'm going to come back to his word. And I'm going to believe what his word says about it. And even if I don't experience that or that's not the place where I'm living from right now, why wouldn't we contend for that? Why wouldn't we go before the Lord to say, your word says, fear not. Fear not. So why wouldn't I come back to the word and say, God, that's what your word says. I believe your word. I'm going to walk forward in, in faith, believing that it's possible for me to live free from fear and free from worry. As I said, I really do believe that fear is a symptom or indicates that it's a lack of faith. It's us not believing God and not believing his word. The second thing, I think part of the reason why we, we so readily accept fear is because we don't really think it hurts us. I mean, let's face it. There are certain things that the Bible is very clear about that we know, you know, if, if I go do X, Y, or Z, it's going to hurt me. 
But too often, I think, unfortunately, Satan gets us to bite the bait, thinking, well, you know, it's just worry. Not really that big a deal. It's, it's for something good. I'm, I'm concerned about something good. But it's contrary to what God's Word says. And even though it might seem like it doesn't hurt us, God's Word tells us not to do it. And I can guarantee you that God's Word has, has, uh, has at its core, and, and really God wants to protect us. So even though we may not see it, worry hurts us. Physically, mentally, emotionally. I mean, think about how wrapped up you can become worrying about things. But you miss the person that walks right beside you that might have been a huge opportunity for you to bless them, to encourage them. But you're so worried about this thing over here that you missed coming along saying, hey, how you doing? What do you need? What's going on in your life? Can I pray for you? The second thing I would say is because we really don't think it hurts others. So, I think sometimes we have this view of sin of does it hurt me or does it hurt others? Once again, the Bible tells us not to do it. So, it does hurt others. If my time is so consumed with worrying about this thing over here, as I just said, I've missed the opportunity to serve this person over here. I've missed the opportunity really to ask them how I can help them. I've missed the opportunity to serve my wife, serve my kids, to reach out to those around me at work because I'm so concerned about me and worried about me and the things that affect me. And then the last thing and probably the most important thing is I don't think we understand how it breaks our faith in our relationship with God. So if I'm worried and I'm afraid, am I trusting in God? No, I'm not. I'm trusting in who? Me. I can take care of this. Or I've found somebody else that I believe can take care of it for me. Or I've placed my faith in my 401k. Or I've placed my faith in you name it. Because when I don't understand that fear and worry breaks my relationship with God and with Christ, Satan's won. But God calls us to a place of faith and complete trust and surrender in Him. To fear not, for He's the one that strengthens us. He's the one that upholds us. He's the one that helps us with with His righteous right hand. Fear in our lives robs us really from the fullness of life. A life of faith and really truly experiencing all that the Lord has for us. I mean, think about it. If, If I can protect myself and I don't depend upon God, am I really ever going to see the miraculous things God come through? No, because it's things that I've figured out that I feel like I can do on my own versus I'm going to see God and I'm going to trust Him. We must walk with the Lord and trust Him. Now, don't get me wrong, he's called us to steward things. So to just have a laissez-faire attitude and say, oh, well, I don't really care about that, um, that's not what I'm talking about. I have an opportunity to steward my kids, (coughs) excuse me, to 
to protect and to, to, to make right choices, to when I get in the car to say, let's put Liza in a car seat. Let's put Derek in a seat belt. Let's wear a seat belt. I'm, I'm not saying that we should just live this willy-nilly life. But I am saying that really fear robs us from experiencing the fullness and the peace that Christ paid for on the cross. I mean, do, do I believe that really Christ paid it all as we celebrated last weekend? And really, we should celebrate every day. We should be celebrating again today. He's alive. He's risen from the dead. Um, <coughs> so when we depend on ourselves and really live from a place of, of fear instead of a place of faith, like I said, we're trying to control everything. And one of the things I thought about when I started thinking about this message was, think about the heroes of the Bible that we teach our kids about. So <coughs> what if they'd chosen to remain in fear instead of stepping out, of, out in faith and believing that God was, was, was for them and would work through them? Think about Noah. So if Noah had been afraid, what would he have done? Probably wouldn't have built an ark, Right? probably would have sat back and said, this is crazy. I'm not building an ark. Never seen rain before. This thing's huge. It's going to take me forever. People are going to make fun of me. I don't want to do this. But because he stepped out in faith and believed God, instead of trying to control everything and live out of fear, we know what happened. God worked through him to save his family and to save the animals. Think about Moses. I mean, Moses... When God called him in Exodus 33, 15, and 16, he said, I will go, but not without your presence. I mean, think if Moses had lived in fear. I mean, he's going back to Pharaoh. He'd been there already, right? He'd been in the Pharaoh's court. He knew these people. He could have said, no way, man, I killed a guy. I go back there, I'm dead. But the stories that we know of Moses would never have happened. Joshua, taking a people into the promised land. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I mean, Joshua led these people into, into the promised land. I mean, think about the battle of Jericho. If he'd have said, you know what, God, I, I don't really understand that. I don't really understand how marching around the walls for seven days. I just... I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of that. They could shoot me from up there. They could shoot my people. We're not going to do it. Battle of Jericho would not, not have happened. We would not have that example of faith that we have today. <clears throat> Daniel. What happened to him? He got thrown in the lion's den, right? Why? Because he feared God more than he feared the king. King Darius, I think it was at the time. What did King Darius said? You shall not pray to anyone but to me. What did Daniel say? Nope. I serve a God who's faithful, and I will follow the Lord. So he continued to pray. What happened to him? He got thrown in the lion's den. I mean, how many of us would say, oh, I'll just kind of pray in quiet or pray to myself. You know, it's okay. God understands. I don't know. I'm not saying I wouldn't do that, but I pray that God would continue to open my eyes to say that I fear God more than I fear physical protection, more than I fear what people think about me, more than I fear anything else. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We all know their story, right? Where'd they end up? Fiery furnace. Once again, if they'd said, uh, you know, God will understand. I'll bow, but in my heart, I'll just say that I'm worshiping God. I'm not worshiping this statue of the person that made it. No, they said, no, no, we fear God. And if it's, if it's right in God's eyes to have us be consumed by the fire, then we will. But if it's in, right in God's eyes, he'll protect us. And what happened? They came out not even smelling like smoke, not even singed. And the guys that threw them in got burned up. All because they walked forward in faith and didn't remain in a place of fear. David, fighting Goliath. I mean, here you got Saul, king. You know, he's supposed to be the guy that steps forward and says, when nobody else will do this, I will. I'm the king. I'm the leader. No way, man. He's in the back in some tent thinking, I'm not going out there to fight this guy. He lives out of fear. But what about David? David stepped forward, and what's he say? God protected me from the lion and from the bear, and God's provided for me. And this guy's defaming our God. I won't stand for that. So he moved from that place of, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to live in faith. He walked forward, and even Goliath taunted him. Like, what are you doing? You send a dog out at me? I mean, he couldn't believe that David showed up to fight him. No armor, no protection. A shepherd with a sling and a stone. And because he believed in God and because of his faith, God did a great work that day. Jesus, think about Jesus. I mean, Jesus is in the wilderness with Satan. And, you know, Satan comes to tempt him. And I can't imagine what it's like to be in the wilderness for 40 days with no food and with no water. I have to admit, when I get hungry or I get tired or I get thirsty, I'm not going to say I always make the right decisions. I kind of probably... It's an area where I could grow in. Just being honest. But to think about being out there for 40 days with no food and with no water and Satan comes to you and tempt him multiple times. But you have Jesus knowing who he is. That he doesn't live in that place of, of fear or worry or um, thinking, well, you know, I, I am... I am the Son of God, so I can do this. No. He remains faithful to the Lord and to what God called him to do. And I like the last part of this chapter too, just how the poor and needy seek water and there is none. Um, you know, God takes care of us. It it says that he made all these different trees and vegetation to spring forth for them. Because, why? They asked him. And he's a faithful God. So is this just an Old Testament command? Something that, up oh, was in the Old Testament, now we're in the New Testament, we're free to worry. No, you're correct. Glad you guys caught the humor in that. Uh, Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. 
Does that mean, oh, just this one little thing I can kind of be afraid and worry about? No. Nothing. Be anxious for nothing, it says. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what are we to do? We're rejoice in the Lord. We're to give it all to Him in prayer and thanksgiving. And then what's going to happen? God's peace, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, where do we find peace at? It's found in Christ, in God, who protects us and provides for us. We just have to come back to that place of faith and say, God, I believe. I believe your word. I mean, I have to admit there have been times where I've been tempted to worry. And I come back to a passage like this and I keep coming back to the Lord and saying, God, your word says, do not be anxious. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which goes beyond all of our comprehension. I mean, I would say probably all of us have known people that have been in situations and we're like, how in the world did they handle that? How in the world did they have peace through that? It's right here. God's word is true. It's because they trusted him. They turned to him. Luke 12, 22 through 34. Now this is Jesus, and he said to his disciples, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about what about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they clothe. Neither, they neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory uh, was clothed. Not, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, how much more will he clothe you? You men of little faith, and do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to charity, Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So Christ is telling us to not be afraid. Why? Because his Father has gladly given us the kingdom. Once again, if I understand who Christ is, I understand what his kingdom is, I understand the price that he paid on that cross. It's going to change everything in my life. I'm not going to be afraid. For it's the Father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom. It's not like, oh, Matt, I guess I'll give this to you. No, it says he gladly gave it to us. And yet, how often do I believe that it was with reluctance? I mean, the reality is there's times I do. And why is that? Because I'm looking at my life and what I've done 
and I'm not looking to the cross and what Christ did. I don't have a full revelation of Christ paid it all. He gave it all richly, and therefore I can live in faith and not live in this place of worry. Because he's going to meet all my needs. So what am I afraid of? I thought of a few things here. Um, one of them is, is the fear of man. You know, if my kids don't obey me, how's that going to reflect on me? I, I, I will admit, I, I have parented my kids out of a fear of what people will think of me. I get angry at them or I yell at them or I get frustrated with them because I'm like, you're not going to make me look bad. Father, forgive me for that. That's not the Father's heart. My heart's to shepherd these kids. And I want to grow in that. I'm being honest. I've done that. And I don't want to do that. That is not the Father's heart. That's me worrying about what people think of them or how they're going to turn out. Rather than saying, my kids are the Lord's. They're a heritage of the Lord's. My responsibility is to shepherd them. Does that mean that I don't discipline them? No, I still discipline them. But I do it out of love and out of faith, knowing that God is my provider. God is my protector. What about at work? I had an opportunity just this past week where I got an email um, about 30 minutes before I was supposed to give a presentation. And did it go as well as I wanted it to? No. And I have to admit, I was tempted to go back to the people that I knew were on that and say, you know what, man, I just got that. I got that email like 30 minutes ahead of time. And, and I had to change all this stuff, and I had been sick. I'd been out of the office. So that's why it was all crummy. But God just showed me, why does it matter? What was I trying to do? I was worried about what they thought about me. I wasn't worried about... Did they hear what I had to say? I was worried about, oh, Matt, he's such a good presenter. Let's bring him back. No. And I, I, I mean, I've not always been that way, but I just praise God that he allowed me just to keep my mouth shut and to really not talk to people too much about it. And I give God the glory for that. Because there have been times where I've been like, Do you, can you believe they just gave me that, that meeting notice like half an hour before? I mean... Who can prepare in 30 minutes? But I just knew it wasn't the Father's heart because it was me worrying about what people thought instead of worrying about really the Father's heart. Or how often do I not share Christ's love or offer to pray for someone because I'm afraid like, oh, you know, I don't want them to think I'm weird. Or, you know, they look busy. I don't want to bother them. Or I'm at work, you know, what if I get in trouble? Once again, do, am, I, am I living in a place of faith and security and confidence in the Lord? Or am I living in a place of worry? Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. I hope they don't think bad about me. I'm glad Christ didn't worry about what people thought about him. I mean, seriously, if he'd have lived out of fear of what people thought about him, he wouldn't be our savior. What about lack of provision? You know, oh no, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? Can't get rid of this because I might need it someday. Or I can't give that away because I might need it someday. 
Luke says that the Father knows what we need to eat. He took three loaves and some fishes and multiplied it to feed the multitudes. You think he can't still do that today? What about safety for myself? You know, how do I protect myself from getting hurt? So, in other words, like, somebody comes up to me like, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. You know, I might not be fine, but I'm going to be vulnerable with people sometimes. Because what if they take that and they throw it back in my face? Or what if they send it on down the line? You know, I'm worried about what I look like. What about my family and my friends? This is a big one God's really grown me in. I'll admit, I have worried about the safety of my kids and my wife in the past. Can I really protect them, even if I'm with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week? No. I can't protect them. Only God can do that. So what do I have to do? I have to say, God, they're yours. Everything I have is yours. I give it back to you. What about things? You know, I put things in a cedar chest, or I put it in a vault so it's protected. The Bible says that we're to lay up in treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. If I'm entirely trying to protect all my stuff here, I'm probably missing out on the freedom of resting in the Lord and all that He has stored up for me in heaven. I mean... It says, sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourself money belts which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Am I telling you to go out and sell everything you have today? No. Obviously, you need to trust the Lord and um, follow His Spirit and guiding in your life. But am I saying I'm growing in this in my life to give things away and to not hold on to things? Absolutely. Over the past month, month and a half, we've been working in our house to, to purge stuff. Because the reality is, is, when I have too much stuff in my house, it bogs me down. It weighs me down because then I try to get something out and five things fall out. And then I get frustrated. Well, first of all, if I hadn't had five things in there, I probably wouldn't have had the bad response in the first place. Because I would have had the space to get the one thing out I needed and put it back. Not to mention the fact that then I'm trying to put the five things back and it takes me forever because i got to stack them just right to get them in this little tiny spot. Whereas if I just had the one thing that I use 90% of the time, grab it out, put it back, and then I'll make do the other 10% of the time. As I said, God has really been tilling the soil of, of my life in many of these areas. I've had to let go, really, of what people think about me and how I can protect myself and those around me. Um... I was talking with my wife about a month ago, and she said, you know, why, why, don't, why is it you think you don't do some things at work? And I said, I just really felt like I heard the Lord say it's fear of man. Because I don't have the proper view of God. I don't have the proper view of salvation. That I'm afraid of what they're going to think of me. And I'm saying here today, please be praying for me about that. Because I don't want to fear people more than I fear God. Because I know that end is destruction. But to fear God leads to life. As I understand more and more the character of God, I really will begin to realize that He is my provider and my protector. And that He loves me so much that He left the 99 to come look for me. 
I mean, how often do we think about that? Christ left 99 behind. It says to come look for one. That when we were lost, he left that and come to look for us. So the last portion of this um, verse chapter here in Isaiah 41 really talks about the futility of idols. And I'm not going to read this all over again, but the thing I really was struck with with these verses is, is, you know, it says um, in verse 23, tell us, he's talking about the idols, or let's start in 22. Let them bring, let them, bring them and tell us what is to happen. Tell us the former things, what they are and we may consider them, that we may know their outcome or declare to us the things to come. Tell us what is to come hereafter, that we may know that you are God's, do good or do harm, that we may dismayed, be dismayed and terrified. I mean, Isaiah is saying, do something. Do good or do harm. I don't care. Do something. Tell us the future. Tell us what's to come. Do something. And the reality is, is at the end of this chapter, it says, Behold, they are all a delusion. Their works are nothing. Their metal images are empty wind. It reminds me really of Elijah when he was with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18. Um, you know, they brought the, the Baal um, worshippers brought and they made their idol and they cut themselves and they danced around and no fire. And you have Elijah and he says, put it up there and he says, just drown the thing. I mean, just drown the thing with water. And if anybody's ever tried to start a fire with, with wet wood, it's next to impossible. But what happened? Elijah prayed and fire came down from heaven. Why? Because he had faith. He wasn't worried about one against however thousands of Baal prophets there were. Because he knew who God was. He had a proper perspective of who God was. Therefore, he didn't live from that place of worry and fear. He lived from that place of triumph. Now we should be encouraged because what do you do after that happened? He ran away and hid in a cave in fear. And that wasn't what God had for him. Not at all. But I'm thankful that God's word includes the reality of people's choices. And it doesn't just stop with, the fire came down and Elijah, Elijah was the hero for the day. No, those things should encourage us to continue pushing on. Such that when we have the fire come down from heaven experience, that, and, and I'm not saying what that experience is, but that, that we just continue then on in faith. That we don't have the, okay, God just used me mightily and now I'm going to run in fear. And why was he afraid? He thought he was going to be put to death. I'm thinking God just called down fire to consume this altar and I'm concerned he's not going to protect me from the king and the queen. But the reality is, is he was living out of a place of fear at that moment. His faith had transformed to fear. So if my faith is in anything else other than God, then I really am, in fact, bowing down to worship whatever I place my faith in. Be it how I've tried to protect my kids. Be it how I've tried to protect my own self-image by telling people, I only had 20 minutes to prepare. Can you believe it? That's where fear begins to creep in. Is when we place our trust in other things instead of placing our trust in Christ. If idols could protect or could foretell what was 
to come or could do anything at all. They would prove themselves as gods, but they cannot. Their works are nothing and their images are empty wind. I heard a message several years ago on the passage I read out of Luke um, called the fear extinguisher. And, you know, I liked, I guess I really liked that analogy. He kind of used it like a fire extinguisher, except it's a fear extinguisher. Um, All public buildings have some kind of a fire protection system. Most of them have fire extinguishers somewhere throughout the building. And, um, and, And this verse, do not be afraid, little flock, for the Father is gladly has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Those two pieces have been indelibly marked in my mind, and the Lord has brought those two things back multiple times. When I'm tempted to worry, God's like, "Hmm, fear extinguisher, don't be afraid, for it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So, as a couple of application points here in closing today, um, one, I just ask that We ask the Lord to show us any areas in our lives where we're living in fear and really trusting in anything other than Him. Because I really do believe that fear is an evidence of a lack of faith. Because if we truly understood who God was, we wouldn't live in fear. Second of all, repent of those areas and ask Him to continue to reveal to you who He is compared to those things. Because if I understand who God is and I look back at that thing, probably not going to be afraid of it. Because I'm going to understand God is bigger than whatever this thing is over here. And third, I'm really by the power that he gives. Live empowered empowered in confidence in him and who he is inside of you. Um, 1 John 4, 4, you know, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. In closing, I'd like to read the last part of Isaiah uh, 40, 28 through 31 that actually Josh preached on last week. Um, So do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He did not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and the young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will not walk and not grow faint. I love how Isaiah, how God used Isaiah really to put this together, that he had comfort, a reminder of who God is, and then fear not. So we're to have comfort, and then a reminder of who God is that helps us to have that comfort in Him. And then, why is it we're not to fear? Because of who God is. When we compare Him to everything else that the world worships, because let's face it, the world worships something. When we compare God to anything else, that's why we can live that that truth out that's talked about in Isaiah 41.10. That says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth, God. And I I thank you for the work you're doing in my life to continue to show me more and more of who you are. God, to show me more and more of your love. God, to, to show me areas where I'm not living in faith and I'm living in fear. 
God, I just pray that um, we, your people, would be characterized by faith. God, I've seen it in this congregation multiple times where people have, um, have lived out that faith instead of that fear. God, and I praise you for that. I give you the glory and the honor for that, God. For people that are living testimonies right here in this congregation, God. And God, I ask that each of us would um, continue to turn to you. Continue to know um, just more of who you are. God, as we leave this place, God, that you would continue to um, just shine your light upon our hearts and illuminate any areas, God, where we are living from a place of fear rather than a place of faith in you. God, that we would see that futility of idols, God, that they're a wind, God, that they are, are a nothing. God, their metal images are empty wind. God, you could take out metal images and say whatever it is that we're placing our faith in. It's empty wind. It's going to get burned up and destroyed. Bless us this week, God. I do pray that you would continue to um, just encourage and bless um, Josh and Reed and their families as they have a time away. God, strengthen them. God, thank you for their, their tireless service to preach week after week after week. Um, God, I know they enjoy that, and I know it builds them up. But I also know just a time away is just a great refreshment too. And so I just pray, God, that they would have sweet communion with you, God, while they are um, away um, resting, and that they would come back built up, God, build up in you, build up in your word, and um, build up in the things that you would have to, to speak to us um, in the coming weeks and months. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.